don't think we were ever going to get that. Okay, on three. One. After two. one, we're going to say it. Oh, three, oh. two, one. Three? So here we go. Welcome to the Screams and Dreams podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Melissa. I'm Allison. And I'm Chelsea. So as a reminder, this podcast discusses all the scary and spooky things. We now rotate from a dream to a scream topic every other episode. Today we're discussing a scream topic, kids scary games. You remember those, the ones you played at sleepovers, um, when you could all finally hang out together in the dark at night. As a reminder, our Sunday scaries are where we want to hear from you, the listeners, to talk about your nightmares, weird dreams, bumps in the night. And you can always write to us at screamdreampod at gmail.com or send us a message through our Instagram at screamdreampod. We also have our fourth host, Mary, and it's true that Mary's technically not a doll. No, Sorry, she is a doll, but we all know <laughs> a doll is never a doll. And she can be mini but mighty. And I'll tell you right now Ooh. that Mary and I have been spending a lot of time together watching the Surviving Death Netflix edition, mm, um, which has that. been super exciting, but also very, very creepy. So if you guys have not watched that series, please tune in. Yeah, I, I like that that uh, series. I think what, it's only like four or five episodes, but it looks really cool on the topics they cover, like like visitors from your past that have passed on, like all these cool concepts of like what you see, what you don't see. I'm excited to watch it, but I have to totally be in the right headspace. And right now my headspace is Sabrina, so yeah. Agreed. Um, I need to go back to it, but like the first episode was a lady who went over a cliff in Peru and bent her own spine like together. Oh, like a like folded. Yep. Ooh. Like, yeah, done. Okay. So she survived, and she scared. She recounts her first kind of recollection of surviving her story, and holy shit, it's just like such a weird recount for her to be like yeah I was alive I never thought about the other side or other influences and all of a sudden like I could hear people saying stay with me stay with me I'll take care of you I'll take care of you as they drunk as they drag her through the jungle to an ambulance that should really never have been there so like the first episode is just so intense crazy and so crazy yeah so, I need I'll to, I need to that. watch that. Maybe we'll watch that tonight. That's cool. So what has made you scream or dream this week? Do we have any good nightmares or horrible nightmares? I've just been having like mashup work nightmares <laughs> or dreams where it's like me ensuring the office protocols are being mapped. Ooh, so it's <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so fun. Just yeah it's like the hamster wheel of never-ending thought um but it's 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 been a lot of those type of dreams Mm. none that leaps out too much for me at least you know for this podcast i see allison has her dream notebook she sure does her dream journal ready there (laughs) Elsie, do you have anything no 
Most boring sleeper ever, literally. I fall asleep and I wake up in the same position. No dreams. I don't even move. It's, I'm like a, I'm like a rock. <laughs> Love it. I, I am sure I've had a lot of dreams because I capture all of them all the time. So they might be boring. It might not be good. In follow up to my biking journal dream, <laughs> yeah, to say that I was trying to be a triathlete, which failed horribly. Um, I dreamed that I was riding a motorcycle, trying to convince my brother that there were cows that need to be rescued. Cows? So, yeah, it's so weird. Like there were cows on the hill. Yeah. So at Siakwam, there would be a track that you would run around, and up the hill, there would just be whatever a cliff, but there were a whole bunch of cows there. And so I ended up getting onto my motorcycle and started to drive away. And I found a bend in the road and then I started to lose power. So like, I tried to like turn myself around and be like, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> and then I started to like change my gears and restart and got started again, but was veering off the road. So I had no control over that dream at all. Mm. I had no control over the motorcycle at all and i got stuck in this mud and in this pond yeah the mud was super heavy i couldn't move at all again i feel like your dreams are really accurate to a lot of stuff going on yeah hey do you have your dream journal close to you right now no sorry not your dream journal your dream decoder book yes can you look i i just have to know what cows mean I have to. I need this. Oh, um, okay, wait, sorry. I have a quick answer about the cows. Thank you. In general, dreams about cows symbolize quiet life and confidence in the future. Ooh. It's got to rescue those cows. Even if you saw Get us... those cows, girl. Get them. Okay, I have zero knowledge on cows, but okay. mud. Mud symbolizes creation in many religions. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Creation. Um, Mud and dreams also represents past experiences or your perception of them as something that's holding you back or in which you are stuck. Yeah. Clear as mud paradoxically means that there is something not clear at all. Are you unclear about a situation in which you are involved? All right, you guys ready to get this party started? Yeah. Let's go. I'm excited about this, right. this one. Okay. Today, we're going to take a look at the spooky, scary, and just downright creepy games played by kids, both past and present. So it's pretty common for kids to play these games during slumber parties. I mean, when else do the perfect conditions exist when you're young with your pals and you're able to be awake to play a game after 3 a.m.? Perfection. And as we mentioned, a lot of these games are related to morbid topics. So totally get that it's only natural for young folks to have questions about their mortality. Mm -hmm. And as we notice, there's many games centered around contacting dead and connecting with spirits. It's really fascinating stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll be sharing some of our own experiences while playing these creepy games, but we'll also be providing instructions throughout today's episode on how to play these particular creepy games. Mm -hmm. So either you will learn them for the first time or it will remind you of those fond memories from your childhood of getting the shit scared out of you at a slumber party. 
<laughs> caution you to play at your own risk and that we are not able to guarantee any outcomes, either successes or failures, if you choose to play. So we encourage you to consider your own safety as the primary focus before deciding to participate either individually or as a group of friends. And if you get in trouble with your parents, that's on you, boo. Uh, agreed. So before we crack into the fun details of the games, who has some recollections of playing these games that have scared the fucking shit out of us? Mel. I'm not going to lie. I've dabbled in many or, or most of these games. What is your highlight? I don't know if it's a highlight or a low light. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, you know, the one that sticks out for me the most is probably the Ouija board. Oh, no, no. We're not playing with that shit. We're not we playing. are we're... playing with that shit. We're <laughs> recollecting it. Well, as an adult, I'm not Been ready there. for that yet. Yeah. Been there, done that. I don't want to bring, what's his name? All the it doesn't, don't <laughs> bring his name into I anything, know. but... <laughs> And I think I recall it because it was one of the ones I played when I was a little bit older. I think I was like still in junior high, maybe my sister got into it. Her and her friends got into it. My sister's five years older. So she was in high school at the time. And we had like the commercial board game one that you could buy and still can buy at, at most games and toy stores. And then I got it into my brilliant mind that when I couldn't play it with my sister and her friends, that I would make my own because I really like talking to ghosts. Well, I mean, that's pretty cool. And you're going to need to find that. So, oh, it's, I think it's, it's definitely long gone, but it, mm. I made it out of, um, out of cardboard and yeah. <laughs> my Ouija board was pretty good. I do remember one story that is a little bit spooky. So my parents always went out for a, a weekend date. So usually Friday nights and my sister for a good series of years had to babysit me, much to her dismay. So when we were getting into the Ouija board, her friends would come over and this is my version of it, but we were playing one night and we lit candles and we were playing in our basement recreation room and we got in contact with a spirit who told us that uh, there's a little girl missing and you need to go rescue her. And God. she's tied up in an attic somewhere with a bad spirit. And it was really freaky. And like, I was pretty young. So I don't know, I was maybe like eight, 10. And it said, call this number and it will be a deadline if you call it not, not like this number is not in service but it, it's going to be a deadline like somebody has unplugged it so we called this number and sure enough it was like this fuzzy deadline and so it freaked all of us out completely because we're like we need to rescue this girl oh she's trapped God. somewhere and we were so scared and that same night, um, we let like a couple like not so good spirits in on the Ouija board. We were the only ones there. There was no lock on our basement door. And when we ran upstairs to get out of the basement door, we were locked in the basement. Oh my God. And it doesn't lock. And there's nobody else in the house. It's just me and my sister's girlfriends. 
Now, mind you, I'm like really impressionable and young at their age. My sister would definitely play a trick on me, but she was uh, part of it. And like her friends would pop in and out of the houses sometimes. So that could be it. But it was like really scary. And I remember it being like very sold by it. I was really skeptical about the Ouija board until that evening. Yikes. That's lovely. No. Chelsea? We never went through with any games. I feel like anytime like my friend, friends and I tried to do these things, we would chicken out at the last second. I've had similar situations. I was in a seventh grade class where we played the Ouija board as like a Christmas vacation celebration. And so there was like 30 of us trying to play the Ouija board. And one of our classmates, we asked how he was going to die. <laughs> and it was like, and like literally, literally the, tr the plan shit was like train wreck. Um, and this particular individual who was a buddy of mine from kindergarten didn't die as a result of exactly train wreck, but he smashed into a train with his vehicle. He what? survived. Well, he that's survived. that's a train wreck. We always got to wonder whether that's a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point or I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like, oh, that's what stopped my, you just reminded me, that's what stopped my sister, I think, playing with her friends because they were starting to ask really morbid questions like, um, what year am I going to die? Ugh. What am I going to die of? No. And I think she was like, I'm done. Cause we, that was our cardinal rule. We don't ask those kind of questions and we just seek to like, understand who we're talking to and know their story and like less about us. I was like, I don't want to know that. Nope. And we also released a lot of spirits into our house. It was super, not like overtly haunted, but we, we unleashed a lot of whack stuff into into our house so whoever lives there now sorry but sorry <laughs> so many memories are just like flooding back into my brain right now <laughs> and we'll go through them because i think most of the games that we're going to talk about today we played yeah for sure for sure okay right Are you guys ready to dive in yes. yes dim the shades light some candles and harness your inner child <laughs> so we want to make sure that we're actually kind of protecting ourselves a little bit. While we get into spooky and scary stuff, there's often questions about how to protect ourselves or create an exit ramp. If things go sideways and we need some protection and after you have these experiences, I would recommend that taking a shower or a bath will rid whatever you may have. So Epsom salt or Himalayan pink salts are wonderful tools. And I will say that Chelsea recommends homemade black salts, bay leaves, lavender, rosemary for those of you who have herbs around the house. Cool. And if you find yourself a bit leery of the outcome of playing some of these games and want to take a traditional approach to clearing energy properly, we're recommending that you burn some sage and repeat these simple words. Into the smoke, I release all that does not serve me. Into this home, I invite positivity, abundance, and love. Cleanse the space of negative energies. Release darkness to make room for light. So mode it be. And I'm just going to so, add, sorry, that it doesn't, need to, it doesn't need to be sage. It can be anything that you feel is positive for you. 
Right. So if you have that you plants have a positive growing, experience with. Yeah, if you have plants growing around your house that you feel connected to, use that shit. And for me, like really important for me to bubble up. So I've got a good yeah. white light that bubble around me, yeah. a good bubble around me. So I'm gonna say like in invite protection to yourself before you endeavor in any of these games. Yeah. But also like if you choose not to and it comes after the fact, just know that you have another mechanism to have an, to protect yourself. Post spirit cleansing. Yeah. Salt. Nice. Salt and water that shit. <laughs> yeah. Take a bath. Uh, for God's sake. I um, didn't do any of those things when I played any of those games. <laughs> well, we didn't we didn't know. No. <laughs> I was like, definitely didn't do that or that or that. We I wouldn't even know if I washed my hands. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the the first game we're going to get into, you probably have heard of before. It's one of the most more well-known games that kids play and has also been highlighted in Hollywood cult classics such as The Craft. That's right. We're starting off with Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. So most of this research, outside of our own knowledge and recollection, was obtained on good old Wikipedia and Ranker. So light as a feather, stiff as a board is a levitation game which involves at least three people lifting one person using just their fingertips. This game came to be around as early as 1665. Damn. Seriously? According to Wikipedia and Ranker. That's old. <laughs> what up? <laughs> um, and has been wildly popular at children's slumber parties ever since. <laughs> so Samuel <laughs> Pepys, who was a naval <laughs> administrator... <laughs> who was a naval administrator at the time, was the first person who documented light as a feather stiff as a board, describing a story told to him by a friend. His friend witnessed several girls chanting over a boy, including a story in which the boy died before lifting him into the air. Though yeah. the words used today are a little bit different, the concept is the same. So during the Black Plague, bodies were sometimes thrown into consecrated rivers as a form of Christian burial. That's a fun mm -hmm. little tidbit, which meant that death was seen by children on a regular basis. That death factored into their games is less of a surprise when considering the environment around them. Totally. Light as a feather, stiff as a board is one of many games that have been associated with dark pasts. Some have even claimed the game was invented to ward off, to ward off the plague, so perhaps by invoking some kind of magic. While difficult to prove, it is evident that the game existed during a time when the plague killed thousands and its connection with death and resurrection makes it a plausible theory. So as time trickled on, the game became a popular thing to do at parties. Though it started as a children's game, there are numerous references to adults playing it as well. It continues to be a mainstay in pop culture, even as times change. People still find something intriguing about magic and ritual. Obviously, that's not going anywhere. Nope. It's not new. So to play this game, one participant lies flat on the floor and then the others space themselves around them, each placing one or two fingertips underneath the participant's limbs. The person closest to the head commonly begins by saying, she's looking ill, which is repeated several times and followed by, she's looking <laughs> worse. She's, wait, can we just 
can we just play that out? Okay, I'll start. And then Allison, you have to be like the, the other creepy person. And Chelsea, you're the figurative person lying on the ground. I'm the one dying. Great. Cool. You're the, you're the one. So I'll start. Okay. She's looking ill. She's looking ill. She's looking worse. She's looking worse. <laughs> she is dying. She's dying. She is dead. She is dead. <laughs> No. Okay, continue on with the instructions. We just want to give some real life. I don't it. like this. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> the general direction of the call the call and repeat describes how the prone person is looking worse and worse, followed by saying she is dying and finally she is dead. In today's version, the person being lifted is told a story about their death and asked to imagine it happening to them. This is intended to unsettle the participants and to convince them that something may have changed, making it easier to lift the person than before. The game ends with the phrase, light as a feather, stiff as a board, chanted by those standing around the dead player as they attempt to lift their companion's body using only their fingertips. Some versions omit the story entirely and only the light as a feather chant is used. That's what I've seen. Like, I've seen just... Light as a feather, stiff as a board, being repeated. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard that. She's looking ill. She's looking worse. She's looking dead. I don't think I've ever heard well, that before. I, yeah, we we definitely didn't do like that, you know, creepy interlude. But we would definitely say we we have to imagine that this person's passed on, and if you don't really feel um, and act the part that you're actually dead, then right. you're going to ruin this for everyone. Right. <laughs> and so. And then we'd be like, now we have to meditate. And we would do like these deep kind of meditative thoughts that we yeah. all willed our fingers to have the strength of Hercules to be able to lift up our friends. So does it work? You tell us. Tell us your stories. We want to hear them. Anyway, so the next game that we're going to look at is called Concentrate. And for those of you who are around in the mid 80s, it's called Concentration. Concentration now begins. So to play, you'll need two people. So you'll need someone who is the influencer and someone who is the player. And full disclosure, I love being the influencer in life. Good to know. Generally. Um, and there will be a traveler who will be the participant to close their eyes. And then the influencer will stand behind them and say the chant while performing the ritual. During the chorus, you will pound lightly on the person's back with your fists while you chant. So it'll be two versions. Concentrate, concentrate, which is A, but B is concentration, concentration now begins. And the chant goes like this. Concentration, concentration, listen to what I'm saying. People are dying, babies are crying. Concentration, concentration now begins. Crack an egg on your head, get the yolk trimmed down. And then you would put your fist over the person's head mm -hmm. and make a cracking motion and drip down quietly. <laughs> Nails on the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Second chorus is squeeze two oranges on your shoulders and let the juice drip down. Squeeze two oranges on your shoulders, let the juice drip down, let the juice drip down. <laughs> squeeze so two oranges on your shoulders, 
let your juice drip down. I don't know how many times I can listen to let your juice drip down. <laughs> Stab a knife in your back. Let the blood drip down. Mm-hmm. Let the blood drip down. Let the blood drip down. Stab a knife in your back. Let the blood drip down. Let the blood drip down. Stab 10 needles in your back. Let the blood drip down. Mm-hmm. Stab 10 needles in your back. Let the blood drip down. Let the blood drip down. Oh my God. So this is really designed to get the person in their own headspace. And the finale is wrap a rope around your neck. Wrap till it's tight. Wrap till it's tight. Wrap a rope around your neck and pull. And then you're holding the person by their arms and whisper, you're standing on a building. (laughs) You're standing on a building. You're out on the ledge. You're feeling dizzy. And someone pushes you yeah. off of the ledge. Push the, push the player enough to make them tip forward and regain their balance. But then ask them what color they saw when you're pushing them. And that will indicate the way in which they die. So red will indicate stabbing. Yellow will indicate poison. Green will be falling or dying in a grass field. Blue will be drowning. Purple will be suffocation or asphyxiation. Orange will be burned. Brown will be buried alive. Gray will be disease. Black will be old age and you go to hell. Or, Or white will be old age and you go to heaven. Honestly, we played this all the time. And we, when we had carpet time in grade two, Mm-hmm. We always played it together. Um, so we would play it while we were listening to our teacher talk. And we would just whisper it all. We loved this game. Hmm. Definitely wouldn't fly now. However, let's talk about Bloody Mary. Okay, so Bloody Mary. So I played this one quite often too on sleepovers. It's one of the most well-known scary kids games. It's uh, a game where players try to summon the the ghost of Bloody Mary in a bathroom mirror. Totally normal, right? Mary is a legend consisting of a spirit conjured to reveal the future. She's said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. The Bloody Mary apparition may be benign or malevolent, depending on historic variations of the legend. Bloody Mary appearances are mostly witnessed in group participation play. So who exactly is Bloody Mary? Legend has it that Bloody Mary is the ghost of Mary Worth, a witch who is executed. Although no record exists of a witch by such name being executed, historically there was a 19th century ritual similar to the Bloody Mary appearance in the mirror. Young girls were persuaded to walk down a flight of stairs in a dark house, holding a candle in one hand and a hand mirror in the other. As they descended the stairs, they were supposed to catch a glimpse of either their future husband or a skull. Seeing the skull was an omen of an early and marriageless death. Because who are you without being married? (laughs) Nobody, (laughs) clearly. Uh, So... I'm sure a lot of people have played maybe oh Chelsea you did say you played I was like I'm not surprised if Chelsea didn't play but I used to play it alone 
at sleepovers and we'd close all the lights off and we'd have to, so you couldn't have the lights on at all. You had to have the lights off. And if it was, we'd say it. And if you saw her in the mirror and she opened her eyes and they were blood red, you were dead. And that was how we played it. So how to classically play. Here are the instructions. In order to call Bloody Mary, you will need a room with a mirror, typically a bathroom and a candle. We didn't have a candle. The game can be played alone, but it's usually done in the presence of others so you can share what it was you saw in the mirror because you're going to want to witness for this shit. Decide who's going to call Bloody Mary first and then make sure that the lights are turned off. The participant enters a darkened room with a lit candle. They look into a mirror while chanting Bloody Mary's name or a phrase a specific number of times. If the ritual is performed correctly, Bloody Mary might either appear in the mirror, reach out of the mirror, and scratch the participant's face, or be released from the afterlife to haunt the person forever. <laughs> Other versions of the story include the mirror dripping blood, the participant's hair turning white, or the participant disappearing without a trace. So there is a modern version take of Bloody Mary, which is called Blue Baby, Blue Baby. I've mm. never heard of this one. Nope. In the 1970s, an urban legend emerged about a ghostly infant that appears in the player's arms. Some say that it is a modern version based on Bloody Mary. The legend is that she used broken mirror shards to stab her own child to death. No. So... Blue baby, blue baby. I'm sure you're all dying to know how to play. Dying. So a player, again, will enter the bathroom on their own, turn off the light, and lock the door. Rocking back and forth as if holding a baby, they will look into the mirror and repeat, blue baby, blue baby, 13 times without making a mistake. So, Allison, you'd be screwed. If done correctly, the player will feel the weight of a baby in their arms, and it will get heavier and heavier before starting to scratch your arms. Before the baby gets too heavy, the player needs to run and flush the oh baby my down the toilet and run out of the bathroom. If the player fails to act quickly enough, a woman will appear screaming, give me my baby back, and has the ability to scream loud enough to break glass. If the player is still holding the baby, legend has it, she will kill the player. According to this urban legend, a group of young girls heard about this game and were skeptical about whether or not it would work. During an unsupervised sleepover, they nominated their friend to go in and try it. So she turned off the lights and locked the door and started to repeat, blue baby, blue baby. All of a sudden, she felt the baby in her arms and froze in fear. She didn't know what to do next and saw a lady appear uh okay wow the group of girls heard their friends screaming for help and they tried to open the bathroom door which was locked one of the girls ran next door for assistance and when help finally arrived and the door was open the friend was lying dead on the floor with her eyes scratched out when they tried to remove her from the bathroom they were unable to as it seemed that a heavy weight was pinning her body to the floor it's quite the urban legend that one quite the urban legend don't play that game, kids. Yeah, so let's just not. Thank you. Actually, we Bloody, don't, Bloody we don't Mary... recommend this this game. I mean, we're not really recommending any. No. I, no. I, I, I have played most of these, and I have lived to tell 
they didn't scar me or traumatize me. Like I don't hold on to anything from it. They spooked me out, but it was such an acute moment. But, you know, the world's a lot different now and I can't speak for anyone else, but I do know that like I had a lot of fun with it. It was really scary and it actually unlocked my love for like scary stories and like movies and books and just like gobbling up all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Bloody Mary just made an appearance in the latest season of Sabrina as well. Oh, really? Okay, cool. I'm super excited to hear Chelsea talk about seances because yeah. been there, done that. <laughs> okay, so we're moving on to seances. So a seance is a meeting at which a group of people attempts to contact a spirit and communicate with it. People have been holding seances, or young people have been holding seances during sleepovers for more than a century and have claimed to have made contact with ones that they love or spirits that are unknown. The first recorded seance was in the 1840s by two sisters out of New York State. Their names were Kate and Maggie Fox, and they're recognized as conducting the first ever seance officially recorded in text. This makes me think of Harry Price. You guys got... So M from And That's Why We Drink, like, loves Mm -hmm. Harry Price. He was, like, a huge spiritualist in the 1800s, I think. And he was big on seances. So Google him if you want to get some more. I think I might. Yeah, I do recall that name. Yeah. So by 1848, Kate and Margaret created a code consisting of table wraps used to communicate with the dead with great Mm. success. The two began inviting friends over to witness the phenomenon. On one occasion, two friends, John and Susanna Moody, had expressed an interest in spiritualism and intended and attended the seance hosted by the girls. Kate began the seance by asking the spirit if it wished to speak with the Moody's. After instructing the spirit to rap three times for a yes, the spirit did indeed rap three times. Susanna Moody recorded her experience in a letter, and so this reciprocated rap sound is the first ever recorded successful communication with the spirit. In order, mm. to, in order to prove that the contact was real, Kate Fox then went through a list of friends that Susanna had compiled... Some, okay, of whom, yeah. some of whom were alive and some of whom were dead. Kate Fox asked the spirit to knock three times for a living friend and five for a dead one. The ghost got all the knocks correct. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah. Like, that's now, specific. Also, listening to quite a few stories about Harry Price and his love of investigating seances, people went to great lengths to fake seances in the 1800s Mm, because it was like a big money maker for them for people oh like a scam yeah yeah so there was definitely very ingenious um and weird well that's why like so many people are skeptical of like psychics and tarot card readers and palm readers because like a lot of like the scams happened during that time and like really diminished any any true Mm -hmm. people that exhibit that skill right yeah so, how to hold a seance? You should probably uh, yeah. hold a seance at Halloween because the veil is very thin. This is kind of fun. I actually don't know, like, I didn't know all these instructions until yeah. we went to it. <laughs> so, being in the right headspace is very important in order for a seance to be successful. A lot of people approach a seance because they are going through grief. 
Mm. Which makes sense. So they, that makes sense with what you were saying before. They would just like manipulate these people's emotions. They would emotions. very much manipulate people that were grief stricken, just desperate to hear from their loved ones. And yeah, it was. Humans. Yeah. That's why they get a bad rap, right? Charlatans. So to hold a seance, you will need two or more people, in addition to yourself, who believe it may be possible to communicate with spirits, a room that is quiet, no TV, music, or other distractions, a table, preferably round or oval, Mm. a a chair for each person, a small lamp or candles, if If a a parent parent is is present, present. (laughs) kids, don't ask dad, kids do not play with fire. Yeah. No candles without the aid of a parent. Get a flashlight or a lamp. That's right. Uh, You also need a glass of water and a piece of paper and a pencil. So invite your guests to be seated at the table and pick a medium. So this is the person who will receive the messages from beyond. You can offer to go first and then let others take turns being the medium. Think of a person who is no longer living and whose spirit you want to contact. Discuss what questions you want to ask. And it's best to ask yes or no questions. Explain to everyone that if the water in the glass moves, it could be a sign that a spirit is asking you to listen. Have everyone close their eyes and take slow, deep breaths to relax. When you feel calm, ask everyone to place their hands on the table and join hands. Chant together, dear Elvis, whoever, (laughs) beloved spirit, please move among us and speak through us. We welcome you with open minds and hearts. Stay very still and listen for any sounds that might signal a spirit is trying to reach you. Also watch the glass of water for any movement. If you see or hear signs that the spirit may be listening, the medium should ask a question and wait for another response. If you are the medium, close your eyes and relax as much as possible so you will notice any words or phrases flitting across your mind that might be messages. Repeat whatever you hear to the group or write it on a piece of paper, even if it doesn't make sense. And it might even just be a single word or a letter even. As designed by the Fox sisters, you can also direct the spirit to respond by making a tapping noise, once for yes, twice for no. Continue to ask questions as long as you get responses. You may not receive any responses at all, though. Some people say that's because the spirit is not ready to communicate and you should try again later. And skeptics say it's because the seances don't work, though participants will need to decide for themselves whether or not they think that is true. When you're ready to stop, thank the spirits by chanting together three times, thank you, dear spirit, now leave in peace. Keep in mind that with any paranormal channeling, while it's important to open the conversation up, it's most important to close it so that the spirits do not linger. So fun fact, the co-founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, held a strong interest in the spookier things and even had a spook room in his house dedicated to the paranormal. He claimed that this room and the contact he made with spirits there helped helped him to recover from his alcoholism about once a week wilson would open himself up to this entity or entities and certain people would come in today this is known as channeling one of the spirits he claimed to have chatted with was a 15th century monk named boniface wilson claimed in his autobiography that boniface and the other spirits he contacted via the ouija board were responsible for the creation of alcoholics anonymous world famous 12 steps fascinating Indeed. So, there is another spooky mirror game that we will play. This is really um, a game that characterizes the scariness of all the energy that mirrors collect. So, in some cultures, it's believed that gazing into a mirror would have a cleansing effect and that the mirror would draw negative energies out of the person looking into it. 
Uh, there were also some dangers associated with mirrors, which is why breaking a mirror is causing bad luck. So if you think about the duration for a mirror day to day um, and the energy it absorbs, there have been also some uh, issues where a mirror might be the last person or the last witness that sees a murder or a horrible death. And so it captures that energy. And if you break it, it releases that. So if you're looking to play a dark reflection ritual game, here's how you do it. Okie dokie. One second. It sounds like scrying. <laughs> it is. It's, it's exactly like scrying. And we'll save scrying probably for... Yeah. But to play the game, you need a mirror that you don't mind breaking, a candle, and people who are willing to play. So the more you can find, the better. So for us, it would be like the full book club. And starting during the day is actually the most dangerous time to play. So you want to play between, let's say, 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. Um, and gives the opportunity for negative energy to wreak habit on your life. But there needs to be at least six hours between the start of the game and dawn. At sunset, the players will take turns staring at the mirror straight in the eye, transferring their negative energy into the mirror one final time. So whatever you're having that is weighing on your shoulders goes into the mirror, mm -hmm. and then you project that right into the mirror, and you leave it alone. And then players will then breathe on the mirror. So, <sighs> so weird. Yeah, so weird. But they will breathe into the mirror and fog it up with their breath. And this is known as anointing the mirror and connects your yourself, so your breath, with the mirror and fogs it up with the energy. So each person in the group need, needs to do that. And once this is completed, they will light the candles. And then the final step is to break the mirror and get running as far away from the mirror as possible. So there's a common belief that bad luck will follow you. Uh, but according to the rules of the game, the negative energy will stay in the same place, but it's connected to your breath. So the more that you're breathing, yeah. the more it will follow you. The game insinuates there, that there will be small bits of bad luck to begin with. So maybe you trip over something, maybe you stub your toe. Um, but over this period of time, it will escalate. And because the negative energy is linked through the breath, holding it may give an indication that you can slow it down for a second. So if you're really finding yourself overwhelmed with a whole bunch of bad luck, you can be like, <gasps> and should the player make it through dawn, they are rewarded with through the good energy, just as strong as the negative energy as they're leaving. So the amount of luck that you get is equivalent to the amount of negative energy connected to the mirror. So once the game has concluded, there's no way to stop it. So if you're going to actually play this game. That one I've never heard of until we did our research for the podcast today. And like that one's messed up. It's high risk, high reward. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't like it because if you look at like uh, all sorts of, issues say that like you know energy is captured within the mirror and then if you break the mirror like it just explodes mm. like that have you ever yeah. seen constantine uh a long time ago yeah 
because the mirror when he breaks it like he traps a demon in the mirror and then he throws the mirror over the balcony and it smashes into a million pieces and that kills the demon or banishes oh. it so that's like a another interesting take on the yeah all right on to the next game okay so uh we are talking now about the ouija board <laughs> here we go buckle up so it's one of the most infamous and terrifying games played by kids um, and, and adults also, and anyone that's brave enough to, uh, to, yes. I was going to say, it's also the one that really shows the most, like, evidence. Do you know what I this mean? This is true. I mean, you, you're, the, always the question mark is, are you touching it? Are you moving it? Are you, like, there's always that, that, that variable that, that people ask. But it definitely, uh, in my uh, probably 50 to 100 times playing this game easily, like you said, it, to me, there was more validity than, than not. So, um, yeah. Okay. It's played by everyone, young and small. It's, it's all about who's brave enough to play Ouija. Some consider this to be a harmless children's game, and it's actually sold at, like, most toys and game stores that you can, you know, you can purchase it anywhere. While others consider it an evil instrument of the devil that has the ability to open malevolent portals or even the gates of hell. Let's dig into a little bit of more details about the origin stories of the Ouija board. So the exact origins unknown. However, similar pro uh, objects can be traced back as far as 551 BC to ancient China, where spirit boards were used to communicate with the dead. It is claimed that Pythagoras, an ancient Greek philosopher, used talking boards to enhance his studies to receive messages from the unseen world. Talking boards also have connections to ancient Rome where two people used the Ouija board to predict the successor to the king. Although this was considered treasonous and they were executed for attempting to do so. <laughs> no shit. So many of us have played this game when we were younger, except maybe Chelsea. No, I didn't. Yeah. No. My mom scared me out of it when I was super young and I never wanted to try it. Many of us have played this when we were younger, but would not dream of touching a board as adults uh, based on terrifying experience we had as kids. Or would we? I think I'd play again. I would too. I, um, I, would, I, I said no before, but I think I would. Like I would, like I said, as long as we, you know. I feel just, like we have a lot more in our toolbox we'd have to, to do it, set it up properly. We'd also have to do it sober. <laughs> Because I feel like if we did it unsober, that would just be inviting yeah. calamity. <laughs> yeah. I would rather do a seance with our group than a Ouija board. Fuck yeah. Dumb supper. You know what I mean? We got to do our dumb supper one of these years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like things like that. Like Ouija board is just like a lot of, it, it actually sucks all the energy out of you too. So spiritualism became incredibly popular in 19th century America. Communicating with the dead was not uncommon and was a regular occurrence at parties. Um, and there was a common belief that the death of the physical body did not extinguish a person's spirit. 
the spirit would simply transition to another plane of existence that was relatively undetected by the living. The best known urban legend surrounding the Ouija is the one that inspired the chilling movie, The Exorcist. It's the one about the 14 year old boy from Mount Rainier, Maryland. I don't know how to say that. Rainier? Rainier. Rainier. Who became possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija. He would suffer violent attacks, fits of rage, and many claimed that scratching noises could be heard from the walls. Objects would jump around and his bed shook violently when he was on it. For listeners who remember the movie, The Exorcist, you may not recall explicit details from the film, but there was a fundamental role that a Ouija board played in the main character of Reagan's possession. I saw this movie, it's so dumb. Like I watched it and I was like, I am not buying any of this. It's so like, I'm sure at the time it was like really believable, but oh my God, it's like, Anyway, early <laughs> does not scare me is it's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> early in the movie, Reagan's, mo- Reagan's mother, Chris, asks her daughter if she knows how to use a Ouija board, and Reagan answers that she plays with Captain Howdy. Who's Captain Howdy, asks Chris. You know, Reagan replies, Captain Howdy. I ask the questions, and he gives the answers. The Ouija board, as it turns out, is far from a harmless parlor game. It was established as the, as a way the devil, in the form of Captain Howdy, gained access to Reagan's soul. So, the Ouija board was first marketed as a toy in the 1890s with no explanation of how it worked, just that it could answer questions about the past, present, or future of unca- with uncanny accuracy, and that it would provide a link between the known and the unknown, the material and the immaterial. The mystery-fueled demand, and perhaps... Um, so to see that channeling ghosts might not be an entirely harmless activity. Ruh-roh. Aided by horror movies and countless urban legends, this sense of foreboding associated with the Ouija board has intensified over the years. Of all the spooky stories, one in particular might give you the chills. William Fold was an early stakeholder and eventual owner of the company which produced the Ouija boards. In 1927, he was up on the roof of his new factory, supervising the installation of a flagpole. When the railing he was leaning against broke and he plummeted three stories to the ground below. While being rushed to the hospital, a fractured rib pierced his heart, killing him instantly. It later emerged (laughs) that the Ouija board spirits were the ones who instructed him to build the factory. What like a awful way to die. Um, Yeah, that's not fun. Ouija, the wonderful talking board game, became a cultural phenomenon sold for $1.50 in 1891. Today's value would be around $43. It was marketed not only as a direct path to ancestors, but also a bit of intriguing and escapist Friday night fun amid a tumultuous world. (laughs) People would gather with family or friends and experience the rush of asking questions as the then wooden planchette jumps around to provide an otherworldly answer. The intentions of players were by all accounts what many would consider pure. The Ouija board began to appear in sketches for major newspapers and grew in popularity through the disparity of the Great Depression. Uh, There are many other pop culture references that showcase the powers of the Ouija board from Charmed to Buffy the Vampire Slayer the 2000 film What Lies Beneath showcases the main character, Claire, using one to contact a missing na- neighbor. 
the blockbuster hit Paranormal Activity from 2007 took Ouija boards to found footage territory with a paranormal paranormal house guest collecting powerful energy from the board. If a user is afraid of the Ouija or lacks grounding and personal protection, there's a higher degree of risk. It sits in the upper echelon of horror plot devices to tap into our deepest fears of losing control over our bodies or in allowing an evil entity to slide its way into our space. Okay, so that's a lot of good, juicy background information about Ouija. It's it's pretty vast. And now let's get into a reminder or learning for the first time of how to play. So on all Ouija boards, they have the same basic setup. They have the alphabet and numbers and have numbers zero to nine. They have the word, the four words, hello, goodbye, yes, and no. So once you have the board on your table or wherever you're using it, you should light at least one white candle. Never did that. White candles, which actually, no, we did light, we did light a candle, but I don't know if it was white. White candle candles symbolize purity and can be used to enhance communication. Always make sure you clean your Ouija board and planchette with a damp cloth. Never did that. Rinsed in warm, slightly saline water. Do this every time you use it. The salt. Yeah. So salt water, right? Yeah. Go someplace where you won't be disturbed and set up the board. Pray or invoke as you see fit. Visualize yourself bathed in white light from above. Or as we like to call it on screams and dreams, Bubbling up. Bubble it up. <laughs> <laughs> then picture this light being absorbed around your into your body until you can see yourself glowing so brightly it's almost too difficult for your mind's eye to focus on it. Feel this light expand out from you to the four walls, floor, and ceiling where they lock, leaving you in a pure, sanctified space. Before playing, you can protect yourself spiritually with a protection spell. An example of a basic protection spell is St. Nicholas of Tolentino, light the lamps, uh, St. Christopher, light the lamps. With permission of the Yao Saboth, we make safe and sacred the space that we may traffic with the honored dead. Beloved St. Nicholas of Tolentino, shepherd my guides uh, and helping spirits to this place. Be with us here and speak through the medium of this board. Indicate your presence here by moving the planchette to yes. So wait until the planchette moves to yes and begin asking your questions. So we did like obviously a really uh, not refined version of this. We would just say, who's with us today? You know, are you with good intentions? Are you a good spirit or a bad spirit? And that's kind of how we set the board up every time we played it. Are you a demon pretending to be a small girl? <laughs> so if you're hearing things that are abusive or mean, like you do not need to listen to it. You can yeah. shut it down, say goodbye, good night, turn your planchette over and be done with it. So for Absolutely. those people who are actually playing with that and hearing bad messages, you don't actually have to tolerate that at all. And like a lot of the times when I would play and you're not, you're not supposed to play by yourself. And I would play by myself many of times. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, a lot of the times I would get a spirit that says no, or, or like a sassy one being like, why, you know? And then you, you, you just go immediately goodbye and then that's it. And sometimes no one would be there. It's like, you know, you're hanging out, like just because you, uh, it's really important to know, just because you open the Ouija board and start playing it doesn't guarantee 
a spiritual connection. Exactly. And I would say like, if you're opening the door to say hello to spirits, it's equally as important to say goodbye. It's, it's a mandatory thing. You have to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, it's, it's, it's ask your questions and, and it's free flowing from there. So here's some tips and tricks that you can do if you choose to play Ouija in your future. (laughs) Have someone write down uh, the answers because it can sometimes move quite fast on the board and it's not whole words, they're all letters. So you kind of need someone to to take note of what the words are. So you should have a couple people playing with you and then you'll, you'll find more of a groove. So play sober, you'll get better results if you haven't been drinking or... Uh, taking any other stimulants. Main, maintain control. If the board starts giving rude, vulgar, obscene, or otherwise disagreeable responses, break off the session immediately by closing the board, saying goodbye, closing. Don't take it too seriously. Most negative Ouija experiences occur because the users lose control. And like we mentioned before, you have to say, you have to bring your planchette to goodbye. Um, or whatever the board has noted as its exit and symbol. So some boards didn't, some maybe homemade ones had a different uh, word for goodbye. So just remember the board is is a portal and a door opener to the spirit world, world, good or bad. So make sure that dang door is shut tight. Slam that door shut. Um, speaking of doors, oh yeah, leads us into our next game. So the next one's called Red Door, Yellow Door. I've never heard of it. Me either. I'm this such, is a new one, right? I, it's a newer I, one? I missed out on a lot red of shit. Red door, yellow door, any other color door. Red door, <laughs> yellow door, any other color door. I am so excited oh when God. we get back to not COVID. This, like, tickles my fancy. All right. Okay. All right. Go so, for it, Chelsea. So, a red door, yellow door is a spooky game that's often played at sleepovers as entertainment. Similar to lucid dreaming, this ritualistic game is intended to help the player enter their subconscious and enter another dimension. This is a perfectly terrifying game for those late night teenager sleepovers before they're legally legally able to drive. <laughs> it's no surprise that it's made a resurgence in recent years. So, how to play red door, yellow door? A subject will lie down on a pillow in the lap of the guiding player with their eyes covered and their arms lifted upwards. A selected guide will begin making circular motions around the temples of the subject and will start to chant red door, yellow door, any other color door. Any other surrounding players will join in the chant, but observers need to stay quiet. As the subject begins to fall into a trance-like or lucid dream-like state, Their arms will begin to fall slowly. They should start to visualize hallways and doors, may naturally feel that they're going into the trance and lower their arms a little before they fully see the hallways or doors though. If the guide notices the subject's hands lower to the ground, it means the game has officially started. It's recommended for players to set a timer for 10 minutes once the subject lowers their hands. It's best not to make them stay in the trance for too long. So once the arms drop completely, the guide asks questions about what the subject is seeing around them. So most commonly, a hallway appear will appear at the outset. According to information provided by the subject, the guide will ask questions about what is being seen, like colors of doors, surroundings, figures, furnishings, and what kind of feelings are associated with those. So according to players that have experienced 
red door, yellow door, or any other any other color, color door. door. These are some little bits of advice. So don't go into purple doors. Don't oh. look at mirrors. Never push floor number two in the elevator. If you see a man or an old woman, leave or don't look them in the eyes. If you see a ballerina, go talk to her because she will help you. That's handy. <laughs> Whew, there is some good goodness uh, with it. <laughs> if there's a door with a clock or a room with clocks, leave immediately. I feel like we touched on that in our lucid dreaming episode too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Light colors are better than dark. So if we see a black and a white door, go into the white one. Hmm. This game is interesting because it's really up to the subject. The Because this puts the control in their hands rather than those of the guide. Right. Yeah, it's the subject describing the events that are going on in their own psyche, basically. Which is, I would love to know, like, what experiences were associated with those recollections of what makes those symbols or visuals good or bad like what happened what happened behind that purple door yeah like what (laughs) happened when you when someone did look at the mirror like that would be pretty cool to know or like when you got off on floor two we will save the creepiest for last but three kings is one of the scarier games that we've researched and it involves a ritual that allows a player to access and not necessarily enter a dimension called the shadow side and I think for the most part, this will represent your psyche okay. to be alone with yourself, um, not necessarily metaphysical, but the shadow is considered a side of your personality that contains the parts that you don't want to admit having. Mm. So I think that's a pretty realistic thing. And so when you are playing this game, the player may ask questions of the shadow side, so which would be your id, okay. your, your worst self. Um, or simply just listening to see if they hear or, or see anything. To play, you will need a large, empty, and quiet room, preferably without windows. If windows exist, you might need to cover them and enter total darkness. And basements are usually the better option if you have it. You'll Which need a candle. More creepy. That's more creepy to do this in a basement. And let's also put a candle. And you might need a spare in case it goes out and a lighter. You will probably need a bucket of water and a mug, mm-hmm. a fan, two large mirrors, three chairs, an alarm clock, an active cell phone. Mm-hmm. And you will need a partner who has your best intentions and is willing to follow the rules and go alongside the game. So really, you're, I think it, the goal of this game is really just to try to draw messages for your own psyche, um, which is either within your head or believed to be paranormal. So at 11 p.m., what you wanna do is place the chairs in the appropriate positions. One is in the center of the room facing north, which will be your throne, and the other two chairs to the left and the right facing your, facing your throne. So you're basically holding king of the castle. Right. The distance between your throne and queen and fool should be about the length of your arm to each side and place the two large mirrors on the queen and fool chairs left and right of you. And it's important that it's facing you. So it's facing you, yeah. You're sitting and the chairs are facing you with the mirrors on them facing you. Yes, but you should not be looking directly into the mirrors. So the mirrors are looking at you, but you're looking north. Yeah. Okay. 
if you sit at the throne facing straight ahead, you should be able to perceive your own reflection in each of the two mirrors without actually turning your head right. or your eyes to do so. So that's that's a really important piece. Yeah, like so you, you, can, you know you can see yourself like in your peripherals with the mirror in the mirrors, but you're not actually directly looking into them. Exactly. So from there, you place a bucket of water and the mug in front of you just out of reach, mm -hmm. place a fan behind you, and then turn off the lights, leave the door open and go to your bedroom. And so then it asks you to place a candle by the side of your bed with a lighter or matches ready to go by 3.30 in the morning. And I think we've talked about this is the worst time to be awake at 3.30 in the morning, but so that's you wanna fine. Set, it so says, get some rest. So you wanna set up, set your alarm for 3.30? Yeah, it says get up at 3.30 a.m. when your alarm goes off. Okay. Turn it off, but don't turn on the light. Okay, which is why it, the candle's on, right? To provide some light? Yeah. The player has exactly three minutes to light the candle, grab their cell phone, and go to the room where the player has set up their throne. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> they should be seated by 3.33 a.m. God. If your phone does not charge for whatever reason, or if the alarm does not sound off at 3.30 a.m., the player should not follow through. Disclaimer, do yeah, not play like, the game if you miss this time. If the fan is turned off and the player aborts the mission, no, don't do anything. Oh, if, so if, if the fan's turned off when you walk into the room and, we, and you left the room with it on, abort the mission? Yeah. Okay. And it says, look straight ahead at the darkness. So if all things are well, so your yeah. alarm clock goes off, the fan is still on, that's fine. So you sit in your chair? Um, you sit in your chair. Your throne, sorry. And so now you need to look straight ahead at the darkness, not the candle, not the mirrors, just straight ahead. Remember, the player would not know which chair is the queen or the fool. It is a player's role to find out. From a player's point of view, they are either the queen or the fool too. So this is where you, as the king or queen mm -hmm. in your throne, starts to ask questions. Okay. So if all was going planned, do not look directly at either two mirrors, but you can start to ask questions or simply wait to listen to hear the information that's volunteered to them. So there's certainly an argument that says um, dispelling this game, it has a psychological perspective. So you're up late, you're interrupted sleep, um, you're looking at candles, but it will also reside with the worst version of yourself. So while you're in your 3 a.m. dream sleep, you'll hear like, why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you do this? We're happy about you did that. We don't like this. And so if you think about it in terms of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, mm. uh, they're both mutually exhaustible mm -hmm. and they can't exist without each other. Okay. So by 4.34 a.m. I freaking love the end, the ending of this. <laughs> I know, your partner should call to you from another room. So the person that you're trusting to bring you out of the trance it better not should be, be able to scream you like, Chelsea, wake up. But if you don't wake up, then they will call your cell phone. And if you still not wake up after that uh, alarming 
approach, they will come into the room and throw a water, like a bucket of water in your face. <laughs> That's the best. Wake up. So really, like, this is, this is a game that has to do with, like, whatever is happening in your own subconscious. Like, you're dealing with it. I would never want to play this game. Who came up with this shit? Like, someone it's on so acid. so convoluted and, like, <laughs> it sounds crazy. I don't know. I mean, or ayahuasca. Up. Somebody is like doing some crazy, like soul searching drug. I'm all for like shadow work. Like everyone needs to explore their shadow self, their shadow side. Mm-hmm. But, like maybe journal first, and then this is like your. <laughs> Dude, this is a huge. Leap. When you're two years into doing your shadow work, and you feel like you're ready for like the next step, maybe this yeah. is where you go from there. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it's just like concentration and red door, yellow door are the two most appealing games for me. Like yeah. I like that stuff. Like I'm, I'm good with that stuff. Well, I'm super excited to be playing these super creepy games with you and Chelsea <laughs> Mel. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to red door, yellow door, any other kind of door. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing some of these games and never some of these games, but I'm really (laughs) glad that like we talked about them and it brought back some fond memories for sure, some freaky memories. And I learned a lot of good details about like some of the games that um, I was playing without real knowledge about what they actually are. So, you know, 30 years later, that's good. Okay, so we got a little fun fact before we wrap things up. Have you all been sluggish? No will to work out? Well, have we got a fix for you. Did you know that watching scary movies and playing scary games can actually help burn calories? That's right. Nice. Getting scared is a workout. So research by the University of Westminster reveals watching 90 minutes of an adrenaline-inducing movie can burn an average of 113 calories. That's the equivalent of what would be melted during a 30-minute walk. Okay, you couch potatoes, there's hope. It's just not about watching, it's about what you watch. So the scarier the movie, the better. The more calories, uh, the, the scarier the movie, the more calories burn. So the movie that slashed the most calories, love that, slashed, which was uh, 184 calories, was the iconic 1980s film, The Shining, followed by Jaws with 161 calories and The Exorcist with 158 calories. I feel like there's a few more that could probably go into that ranking. Oh, yeah. Because, like, Jaws doesn't, that wouldn't do it for me. No, but like I remember, like when the ring came out and no one really knew what it was about, like with how it got marketed. Blair Witch Project. Yeah, yeah. Like there's some there's some uh, intense ones that would definitely be. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so we hope you enjoyed the Kids Scaries game episode, and we will delve into something creepier very what? shortly. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we would love to hear your dreamlike stories. The screamier, the better. Be sure to check us out on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, and other podcast platforms. Rate and subscribe to our podcast wherever you find your podcast. It really, really helps us, so yes. we love your feedback. Please and do that. 
Find us on social media at Scream Dream Pod or email us your stories at screamdreampod at gmail.com. And look out for episode eight, which will be coming out on Thursday, February 4th, where we are discussing a dream topic, and that will be being visited by loved ones in your dreams. Or maybe not not loved, loved ones. ones. <laughs> Just visited. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Ready? Bye, dollies. One, two, three. Bye, Bye dollies. dollies. <laughs> <laughs> it still doesn't work.